I want to say good morning to you. My name is Steve. So glad you guys are with us uh, today. I love that song. Man, I love that song. But it's a dangerous song for me because I sing it really loud, and, uh, and then my voice starts to go, and then I'm like, oh, i got to preach. So it's also why I like to sit down in the front row so the only people that can hear how off-key I am are the band. So if they have pained expressions on their face, it's me. So um, just wanted to say thank you guys so much uh, for being here today. The other thing about that song that I think is really interesting is in the bridge it talks about, by your stripes I'm healed, which is an interesting, like, odd sentence. And I don't know if you know what that means, and so I just want to explain it to you because I think it's really powerful. Um, the prophet Isaiah, 600 years before Jesus was born, prophesied about Jesus, that he would walk the earth, and these are the things that he would do. And in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53 and 52, 52 and 53, it talks about these things, but it also talks about how the Savior of the world was going to take on the punishment that we deserve. The, the payment for sin was going to be put on Jesus, and it talks about he, that he was going to be whipped, and on his his back would leave stripes. Like that's, that's what he's saying. And so like by the wounds of Jesus, by his stripes, we are healed. I think that's just an powerful and very important thing to know about that song when you sing it because you want to sing in knowledge of what is going on and that Jesus paid the price for us and by his wounds we are healed. And that's just an amazing thing. And that's what we're going to be talking actually a lot about today as we think about um, the I am statements. We are in a sermon series called I am. And Jesus would make seven revolutionary statements about himself, and we've been talking about each and every one of those and why they matter for us today, why they're so important for us today. So the first week we saw, I am the bread of life, which means Jesus satisfies the longings of our soul. Then we went to, I am the light of the world, which means Jesus is our hope in the midst of darkness. Then we saw that Jesus is, when he says, I am the door, which means that he is the way to salvation, that we walk through the door of Jesus to be saved and get into his kingdom. He is our savior. Then we saw, I am the good shepherd, which means he cares for us spiritually. He cares for us emotionally, cares for us physically. He is our good shepherd. And last week we talked about, I am the way, the truth, and the life, where Jesus shows us that he is our leader, that not only does he save us, but he leads us. He is the way. And so this awesome some amazing I am statements Jesus makes about himself really matter to us today. And today we're going to be talking about uh, the sixth statement, which is, I am the vine. I am the vine. Jesus says, I am the vine. So I want to set the stage a little bit for you before we jump into when Jesus said this. But Jesus is in the middle of saying goodbye to his disciples, okay? So this is uh, Palm Sunday. Today we're talking about uh, the leading into Holy Week, the leading up to Easter, the, the, the last week of Jesus. This would take place on Thursday, okay? So as we think about Thursday, my prayer is that, that you would read a little bit of, of what we've been talking about um, in, in, our, in our sermon series, um, because this is when Jesus would say goodbye to his disciples. And it's called the Farewell Discourse. We talked about that last week. It's chapters 13 through 17 of the book of John, which is one of the biographies of Jesus found in the Bible. And 13 through 17, if the words of Jesus in your Bible are found in red, this is almost all red. For four chapters, he's talking and, and saying a lot to his disciples. And in the middle of this, he says he's going away. He's going away. He's preparing them for his death that's going to happen on Good Friday. By the way, we're going to have Good Friday services at 530 and 6:30 uh, this coming Friday at Copper Ridge Event Center with, uh, with Northland Church. And so invite you to come as we remember Jesus' sacrifice for us. And so uh, as, we, as we think about that, we think about the fact that he says, "I'm going away. I'm going to the cross. 
I'm going to give my life. But he says, but I'm going to give you something else. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to comfort you, and he's going to remind you of all the things that I've said. He's going to give you power. He's going to give you the ability to, to live out the commands of God. He's going to give you so many things. He's going to give you the words to say. But he says, I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you as an orphan, which is amazing. God doesn't ever abandon us. And he says, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan, but I'm going to send my spirit down to be with you and actually dwell within you. So if you're a follower of Jesus today, you need to know the Holy Spirit of God dwells within you. That's an amazing truth um, that is incredible for each and every one of us who are followers of Jesus. And so in the middle of this, where he's saying goodbye to his disciples, he's saying, I'm giving you my Holy Spirit. And then he says the phrase that we're going to be uh, looking at today. This is going to be in John chapter 15, starting in verse one, where he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Jesus says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. And right before this, he talked about the Holy Spirit. And so this is the work of the triune God in our lives. So God exists, three persons, yet eternally one God. It's this wonderful, mysterious, great, beautiful thing that there's three in one, this, this trinity that we have of God being three persons in one God. And he says, the, the, the Holy Spirit will come and remind you. The Holy Spirit will give you power. The Holy Spirit will give you connected. I'm here. I am the true vine, which means I will give you life. I will make you something new. And then the Father comes and is the vine dresser. And so he prunes away and he, he keeps on shaping and molding us to become more like him and to be more fruitful. And as I was reading this, this scripture this week and as I was preparing the message, I was just struck by this as the Holy Spirit reminded me and my own uh, spirit was, was to say, look how much attention God pays to us. I just think that's incredible that God says, I care about you so much that I'm going to have you be connected to me, the vine, but also we're going we're gonna to continue to prune your life. We're going to continue to shape and mold you. Like this active participation that God desires for us to be fruitful, that God wants us to be fruitful. And I just think that's an amazing truth about God. And then he says, I am the true vine, and, I, and my father is the vine dresser. This idea of like he's going to continue to pare things away and prune so that you're more fruitful. Well, what does it mean to be fruitful? Because we could think about, if you think about a vine that produces fruit, maybe a grape, you, know, you understand the characteristics of a grape, right? You know that it's not an apple or an orange. You can tell a grape by its characteristics. And, and just like that, we can tell the fruit of the spirit by the characteristics of the fruit. And we find the characteristics in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the fruit that gets produced as we stay connected to God. These are the things that happen. This is the fruit that, that, that God is talking about when he says, I am the vine. When we stay connected to Jesus, he produces this fruit in our life. And we say, he is, and, and the vine dresser, the father, will prune things away, will continue to cut things away out of our life in order for us to be more fruitful. 
okay? He will also do things in our lives to help us rearrange things in our lives so that we can be more fruitful, that we can have more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That these wonderful things are present in our lives because God wants us to be fruitful, which means there are certain things in your life that you might need to reorient. There are certain things that in your life that you need to think through, and there's certain things in your life that might get pruned away because they're choking out the fruit in your life. So that might mean for you that you need to revisit your view on money or possessions or sex or power or influence or time, or treasure, whatever it may be, God might be going, you know, there's things in your life that you're, you're putting so much time into this area that's actually robbing you of this fruit. And so what we're going to do is we're going to prune that away. We're going to cut those things away because it's choking out the fruit in your life. Now, I will tell you this, from experience, God's pruning hurts. When God prunes, which I don't know if, you, if you're plants, uh, plant people, I have a brown thumb, so um, I prune too much with a chainsaw. So um, pruning is to cut away, to cut these branches away that are dead and dying or good and not best or, or sick and can't get better. Like, he just prunes away these things in your life so that it becomes more fruitful. You trim trees and you trim bushes so that, and trim vines so they become more fruitful. And there's things in your life that might get cut out because God wants you to be more fruitful. And God's pruning can be really painful. And it's not just a one-time event, by the way. Just so you know, God continues to prune in our life till we see him face to face. And so God sometimes will inflict pain upon you in order to make you more fruitful. Now that might seem cold and calloused, some of us are like, God would inflict pain? And, and, and the answer is, yeah, sometimes he does. Because he wants to see more things in your life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He wants to see these things in your life to grow and to flourish in your life. So in order for that to flourish, sometimes he needs to inflict pain. Like a good surgeon. Like we don't go to a surgeon and when he cuts us, we're like, dude, what are you doing? Like that hurt. Like, we never do that. Why? Because we know that when we go to a surgeon, he's going to inflict some pain upon us so that we can get better. And sometimes God does that in our life so that we can get better. And sometimes I think we question the character of God because something's hurt. God is exceedingly good, and sometimes he will prune things out of our lives. Sometimes a relationship. Sometimes a job. Sometimes it's that college major. Sometimes it's friends. Sometimes it's your fame. Sometimes it's your fortune, but God will prune these things out of your life in order to make you more fruitful in these areas. We don't have to be afraid of it. It might hurt, but we don't have to be afraid because out of this comes deep goodness in our souls. So he says, I'm the true vine and my father's the vine dresser. He goes on and he says this, abide in me in verse four, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I grew up going to church 
And I grew up hearing this verse occasionally, and I had no idea what the word abide meant. And I was like, I'm not going to ask that question because I don't want to look stupid. So I'm not going to say, I'm not going to ask, you know, like, hey, pastor, where's abide me? I don't even know, right? And so I didn't have Google because I'm a little bit old. So I, I didn't have Google and I didn't have any place to go because the only place there was a dictionary was the library. And the library never let you take the dictionaries out of the library because it was a reference book right? And some of you know what I'm talking about, right? You know the idea, like the reference books, you know, they were, hell, you know, like I have nine fingers now because I tried to take one out. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I didn't. But remember that like encyclopedias, Britannicas were like $8,000 and 9,000 pounds and you didn't dare take it out of the library, right? And dictionaries, much the same kind of way. And so I have no idea what the word abide meant. And so I was like, cool, we abide in Christ. What does that mean? I don't know. And so I, eventually I looked it up. Curiosity got the best of me, and I looked it up, and it says, the word abide means to remain, to stay connected, or to continue in a place. I love that definition, to continue in a place. How do you continue and stay at the same time? I don't know. But to continue in a place. And the reality is this, is that I abide in the city of Moorhead. Like, my family is here. And we, didn't, we don't just come here, we're like, we're not looking for the next greatest thing. We're not looking for a way out. We abide in Moorhead. We bought a house here. We go grocery shopping here. We go to church here. We have friends here. We go to the doctor. We, we, we get our hair cut. All these different things. We, we live in the city. Like, we are a part of it. We seek its welfare. I, I walk down the streets of my block and pray for my neighbors. That's, we abide in this city. This is not just a fly-by-night. This isn't just like a, you know, we're just going to wait for the next thing. This is where we are. And to abide is to continue in a place. I'm going to continue my life in this place because this is where we abide. And so when Jesus says, abide in me, abide in me, he says to continue and remain, to stay here, abide in me, stay connected to me because a branch cannot bear fruit. It's this, we have an abiding faith. To be a follower of Jesus is to have an abiding faith. And the reason why it's abiding is because it's relational. It's a relational thing. It's in a, it's, we're in a relationship, so we abide in the relationship. We, we remain here. We stay connected. I think, about, uh, I think about relationships, and I think about summer camp. Do you guys ever go to summer camp? Do you guys ever have camp? Maybe your parents sent you to, like, you know, basketball camp or, or just kind of a regular summer camp, or maybe it was boot camp because they didn't want you to be all crazy this summer, right? And they send you to camp, and you go there on Monday or Sunday night, and you go there, and you see these relationships start to happen right away. You see these relationships start to happen right away. Um, I, was a, I was a camp counselor uh, one time, a, a speaker, actually, a camp speaker, and, and uh, I saw a junior high boy and girl, and she was wearing his hat. And, uh, and I went, oh. Like, they're like, what? We can be friends. Can't we just be friends? We can be friends. I said, yeah, you can be friends, but you're wearing his hat. And she's like, well, was that so? Friends can wear his hat. I said, no, 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 no. Number one, a man's hat is like a part of his soul, all right? <laughs> so the fact that he's letting you wear his hat is something special. Number two, that hat is sweaty and nasty. <laughs> and you don't know if there's bugs under that hat, and you're wearing that hat. There's a relationship blooming. It's Tuesday, right? 
No joke, by Thursday, I was doing like counseling between the two of them. He doesn't like me like this other guy. Like, it was two days ago. Like, like, right? And we have these ideas that these are our relationships. They're here today, they're gone tomorrow. Da, da, da. I'm gonna feel these things really intensely. Jesus says, no, 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 we remain. We abide. We, we stay together. It's not just, uh, I, I, I'll see you later, see you next year kind of thing. It's not like, I promise to write and never do. Jesus says, no, abide in me. Let's keep this thing going. Let's walk with, together in this. He says, abide in me and I in you, which I love because that means Jesus is putting forth effort. He's connect, he wants to stay connected to us. He said, I'm going to abide in you. I'm going to remain faithful. I'm going I'm to continue. I want you to do the same. I want you to abide in me. I want you to remain here. I want to stay connected to you. So how do we stay connected to Jesus? How do we stay connected to Jesus? Well, one way is through the Spirit of God, the one that he promised right before we talked about this. We were talking about earlier in this message. The Spirit of God keeps us connected, gives us the power. The Spirit of God is our power source. It, it gives us the ability to be able to walk with Jesus, to stay connected, to remember what Jesus said. The Holy Spirit dwells within us and, and pulls us forward into relationship with Jesus. So the Spirit of God is a very important piece. Next thing is the Word of God. The Word of God. The, the words found in the Scriptures, the Bible, these are the words of God. How do we remain? How do we stay connected? We read his letters to us. We, we read these things because these are God's revelation of himself to us. And we get to be this wonderful, great, awesome connection through the Word of God. And sometimes the Spirit of God, uh, well, the Spirit of God does work in through the Word of God as it illuminates things in our lives. And then the people of God. The people of God. We are a gift to one another. This is God's gift to each other is that, is that the people of God, we can encourage one another and we can point each other back to Jesus. And, and I remember I started really growing in my faith when I was connected, when I started getting connected to a church. And I'd have people come up to, my life, come up to me on a Sunday morning and say, hey, what's God doing in your life? And I'm like, I'm sure something, I'm, I'm, I mean, yeah, stuff and things and I had no answer, right? I'm like, let me get back to you. And they didn't, they didn't like harp on me for that or whatever, but next week they come back and ask me the same question. What's God doing in your life? Still stuff and probably some more things, right? And then I'm like, they're going to keep asking me this question, aren't they? I need to have an answer for this. And so I started going, God, what are you doing in my life? What are the things that are happening? God, would you show me what you're doing in my life? Would you give me the answers? And it was the people of God that would encourage me, look to Jesus, he's doing stuff in your life. Look to Jesus, he's doing stuff in your life. The word of God shows this. The word of God sees, you know, and they would point me back to Jesus and the Holy Spirit would work in conjunction with the, with the word of God and the people of God. Together we would abide in this faith that we would continue to remain and grow in relationship with Jesus because he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing is an interesting word here because it means nothing. It means Nothing. You can't do anything of spiritual significance apart from Jesus. Apart from him, you can do nothing. If you remove yourself, if you're, if you're not connected to Jesus, what it is is you're a dead branch and you're trying to produce fruit. And a dead branch doesn't produce 
any fruit, right? So what do you do with a dead bread? Like, you ever tried to produce patience in your life? How's that going, right? How does that work? Like, I'm going to be more patient. How? I'm going to hurry up and do it. What? <laughs> right? I, I'm going I'm to be more joyful. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be more joyful. So people are like, how you doing? I'm doing great, but I'm getting better. I'm really joyful. <laughs> right? Like, what do we do? I'm not even caffeinated this morning, just so you guys know. We stay connected to Jesus. We can't produce anything apart from Jesus. So at best, you fake it. Which is like you take a dead branch and you take some fruit and you tie it to the branch. That's basically what you're doing. It looks silly. Like, what do you do with a dead branch and fruit tied to it? The only thing you can do, and that's sell it on Etsy. But other than that, <laughs> right? I'm kind of right, though, huh? I'm like, doing great, but I'm getting better. <laughs> you can't do anything apart from Jesus. And it's this walking obedient faith. And I know the word obedience gets like this bad rap. It's like, oh, I don't want to be obedient because that means I'm submitting and that means I've given up or that means I've lost. Listen, if you're obedient to Jesus, the only thing you've lost is regret. When we walk with Jesus, it's about being, obedience is to, to follow in his steps. He says, I'm going this way. So we go, let's go this way because we want to remain with Jesus. If you walk the other way, you're being disobedient, going, I'm going to do this my own way. He says, apart from me, you're not going to have the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control that you think that you can have apart from me, because apart from me, you can do nothing. It says, remain in me because I am the vine. I am the vine. I can give you this life. And the only way that we get fruit is by staying connected to Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is the byproduct of staying close to Jesus. It's the result of staying close to Jesus. So if you want to be more patient, stay close to Jesus. If you need more self-control in your life, stay close to Jesus. If you need to be, have more goodness or more gentleness in your life, stay close to Jesus and let him produce that in you. And now we're, not, we're all in different spectrums. We're all in different places. We're all, you know, like some of us have more mature fruit than others. But what we see is that is this progression of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in our life as we stay closer and closer to Jesus. And then Jesus says some really amazing things in verse 8. He talks about, he says, by remaining in him, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, there's three things that Jesus says, if you abide in me and this fruit gets produced, three things are going to happen. 
three things are going to happen. He says, number one, my father's glorified. It makes God happy. It glorifies God. It gives God credit. And by the way, it shows the world how good God is. It shows the world how amazing God is. It shows the world that God can be trusted, that God can, that God can produce these things in my life, which means even though he asked me to do hard things to walk with him in this, it, he can be trusted because it produces this. It gives glory to God. There are people in your life who will see a change in your life who will start to go, is God worthy of worship? Is God worthy of praise? Is God worthy of my life? And the answer is yes, 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 and amen. And it's the work of God. I have struggled with anger all my life. All my life. As long as I can remember, I was known as the kid with a really bad temper, and I could fly off a handle. And my life has been this constant battle against anger. I've hurt relationships. I've strained things, and I've lost friends because of it. And I hate that it's there. And you might go, well, Steve, I've never seen you angry. I mean, I see you yell a lot because you, when you're up on Sunday, that's what you do. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but I've never seen you angry. And I will say this, uh, the work of gentleness in my life is not my own work. God does that. God does that in me. That's a work. I praise him every day when he makes me more gentle and more self-controlled. I thank God for that. It's an amazing, amazing truth to know that God is producing something in me and I give all the credit to him. God gets the glory. Father is glorified that I bear much fruit. He he wants me to bear a lot of fruit in my life. He wants me to be fruitful. Because he gets all the glory. Number two, the next thing he does is that, and so prove to be my disciples. It's an assurance. It's this wonderful knowing that we are the disciple of Jesus. I know I'm a disciple of Jesus, not because I'm awesome, but because I see what God is producing in me. And because my hope and trust is in him. And as I continue to trust him, he continues to prune things in my life. And as that happens, there's continues more fruit. And I go, yeah, God's at work in my life. So when people ask me, how's God at work in your life? I have an answer. By the way, this is my challenge to you before you leave today. Ask someone how God is working in their life. And you're like, that sounds really awkward. But here's the thing. All you guys know it now. And so it's not awkward because people are going to come. I'm like, well, Pastor Steve told me to say this. And we're like, okay, we get it. Right? But... How is God at work in your life? How's God at work in your life? And let them encourage you by how God is at work in their life, and then you encourage them with the same. You go, God can do that in their life, maybe he can do it in mine. And we prove to ourselves, and we prove to the world, by the way, who gets really confused when our words and our actions don't line up. We can give credit and credibility to the work of God by the fruit in our life. So the Father gets glory. We prove to be his disciples. And then in verse 11, that my joy be, may be in you and that your joy may be full. Joy. 
just complete, utter joy. What happens when the fruit of the Spirit, what happens when we abide in Christ? What happens when we stay connected to Jesus? Joy. Joy happens in our life. Joy is the sense of well-being that regardless of circumstances, I belong to Jesus. So when life kicks you, and when you're down, he kicks you again, and you know what I'm talking about because some of you are there right now. In the middle of the mess, in the middle of your circumstances, there can be a joy of knowing that you belong to Jesus. Because if we belong to Jesus, this is as close to hell as we're ever going to get. If we belong to Jesus, this is where, yeah, it might be hard, yeah, it might be difficult, yeah, there's pain, yeah, there's sorrow, but there's an eternity waiting for me to be with Jesus. There's this joy of knowing he's with me, and he hears my cries, and he hears my prayers, and he walks with me through my frustrations. This is the joy that God gives us, and not just a little joy, not just a a big measure of joy, joy to the full. There is no more joy than found in Jesus. He is the extreme. He is the fullness of joy. And he says, you abide in me, I will give you a fullness of joy. It doesn't mean that you're not sad. It doesn't mean that you don't hurt. It doesn't mean you don't get frustrated. It means that deep down inside, you know you belong to Jesus. And he gives that to us. He gives us his joy. And he talks about that his joy may be in us. There's another place in the Bible that talks about Jesus's joy. It's in Hebrews. He says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and scored the shame. He said there's a joy that was set before Jesus that was his strength, that was his motivation to get through the cross, was the joy that was set before him. Do you know what the joy that was set before him was? Us. That we would be adopted into his family, that that he would go through the cross to forgive our sins, that he would remove the guilt and the shame, that he would take away the condemnation, that he would adopt us into his family, and that he'd tell us to remain in his family, and that we'd go out and introduce more people so they could be adopted into his family. This was the joy that was set before me. He said, that same joy that I have for you, I give to you, and that it will be a joy to the full. This is our God. This is the God we worship. This is the God we follow. When he says, I am the vine, this is what he gives when we stay connected to him. Hallelujah. What an amazing God we worship. This is the God of the Bible. This is the God who came in the form of a man named Jesus. This is the God who would go to the cross on our behalf. And be crucified. This is our God who would raise from the dead. This is our God who forgives us and shows us that not even death can hold him back. There's nothing that the world can throw at God that God is not greater still. Nothing. This is our God. Would you like to meet him today? Some of us are in this room, and however you got here, you're not connected to Jesus. You haven't submitted your life to him. You haven't recognized him as God. You haven't recognized him as an authority in your life, as the authority in your life. And you haven't submitted your life to him, and you're wondering why the world keeps passing you by, and you're broken, and you're robbed of these things. And if that's you today, It's about about turning your life over to him. 
It's about going, God, you, you take it from here. I, I can't. Would you forgive me and would you give me a fresh start? And would you just lead me from now on? And would you give me the power to do what is right? And he will. And he will. And he will begin a good work in you. And he'll be faithful to complete it. So if that's you today, I want you to do two things. Number one, I want you to put that on your connection card. So whether it be, I want to know more about Jesus, or you put it on the app or whatever, if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to know God, if you want to give your life to him, put that on the card. We want to follow up with you. We want to be the people of God to encourage you and follow up with you. And then I want you to come down for prayer. After our last song, in a moment, uh, after our last song, there's going to be people who are going to be standing down here would love to pray with you and would love to pray for you. And all you have to do is come down to say, I want to meet Jesus. And we'll walk with you. We'll get your information. We want to follow up with you. We want to encourage you and help you get connected here so you continue on this faith journey. If you're here today and you're already a follower of Jesus and you wonder why some things in your life have been frustrated, my question is, have you stayed connected to the vine? Not that we're free of frustration at all, but I'm just wondering, are you spending time in this abiding faith? And I would encourage you to do so. And let God give you his joy. Don't try to force it, but just stay close to Jesus and let him do what only Jesus can do. He is our vine. He is where we get life. And when we abide in him, we produce much fruit. The Father gets glory, and we have joy to the full.